Hello and welcome to a bumper edition of the Transfer News Central podcast. I'm the host, Johnny Bentley, and once again, I'm joined by Andre Blowen. Good evening. How are you, mate? Yes, very, very good. And it's the first time we've actually spoke since the new year. And Andre, I'm sure, mm. had a wonderful new year along uh, with myself as well up in China. Um, of course, it's very different in China. The New Year celebrations aren't quite as lively, maybe, say, as in the Western world, because, of course, Chinese New Year's where it's really at, isn't it, in, on the 18th? Uh, or at least that's when that's when we break up uh, from my job. Uh, I think it's around the 25th, isn't it, where they really go to town in the likes of Beijing and so forth uh, with those celebrations. Yeah, mate, look, I was here for it last year. Beautiful, eh? Beautiful lanterns. You get, I got two weeks off work, which was fabulous. Yeah, I imagine. Really so. lovely. I mean, yeah, the lanterns are great. And I'm a rat in terms of the Chinese zodiac. Um, and it's uh, the year of the rat in China. Yes. So yes. hopefully it'll be a good year for me. I think uh, the Chinese, certainly Mandarin part of China, referred to the rat as Tianshu. Tianshu. So Tian, for me, yes. Tianshu. Hopefully yes. 2020 will be a great year. And if Inter wins Serie A, it certainly will be. <laughs> uh, fa- fantastic Mandarin there, Andre. Fantastic. This year, this is what all your all your Chinese lessons. Yeah. Uh, Hen Hao. <laughs> very good. Hen uh, Hao, of course. To the uninitiated uh, is very good. Uh, literally, that's the literal translation. Anyway, enough about our... I think, our, man, I, our think, I, think I think in, 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 in Chinese terms, I've got to say to you, Xinyan Kuai Lo. Xinyan which I think means Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Xinyan Kuailo. There you go. Xinyan Kuailo to all of our followers. And if he's got that wrong, then, you know, we're just disowning him entirely from our branding and our, and our shows. But uh, we, think he's, we think he's telling the truth. Anyway, we'll be talking you through much of the transfer news and speculation, including the deals that have already been completed. We'll also be taking you through myself and Andre's own team of the decade selections uh, with all the people of, uh, at the, on the TNC podcast picking a Premier League 11 over the uh, best Premier League 11 over the past uh, 10 years or 2010 to 2019. And also uh, the best 11 from the wider world or the whole world. So including mm. the Premier League players, but also with an eye to this, uh, you know, the Serie A, La Liga, Bundesliga and so on. Particularly Serie A, La Liga, actually, which was really prominent through the past decade, uh, as you will see with our selections. But first... Before we get to those uh, 11s, the transfer window is back. So uh, the good people at TNC are rolling out their zero hours contracts to get people (laughs) (laughs) to get people uh, onto their social media platforms and tweeted the latest news. Of course, that's just a little political joke. Uh, The people at the TNC team are always ready to provide their service of keeping us up to date with the transfers. (laughs) And we will be on hand to discuss the very latest in terms of transfer news. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Mm. So, Andre, I mean, I was gonna, I mean, I'll just, just I was gonna throw some of the, uh, you know, the latest transfers in terms of what's happened over the past twenty-four hours, but there right. isn't too much to appetize over. Uh, yeah. That's probably not the right word, but we'll go with it. I think we should look maybe at the transfers that have already happened, maybe a few days before, because I think there's some really interesting uh, moves that's uh, been put on the table uh, in in that period. Uh, and you 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 called one straight away, which completely slipped my mind. The Erling Haaland uh, move to Borussia mm. Dortmund uh, mm. from Salzburg. 
RB Salzburg. And I think, firstly, yeah, you, you use the word appetize. I think tantalize, perhaps, is a better word to use. Yeah, there wasn't much yes. to tantalize today, I don't think, in the transfer market. But no. yeah, you mentioned Erling Haaland there. Go ahead, mate. Yeah, I mean, you, I, th- I mean, you, you sort of, you, you really mm. hit the nail on the head there. It was well, really, with Haaland that we sort of looked and thought, oh, you know, he's, uh, He's a his goal scoring record's phenomenal for his age. He's linked with Man United. He's linked with a few other Premier League clubs, I think. Mainly mm. United, I think they were the one that stood out, really. Mm. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, yeah. two scouts over yeah. there, didn't they? Uh, but uh, I believe his agents mean a Raiola as well. So there's always a bit of an issue, isn't there, when Raiola's an agent of a particular player? However, in this mm. instance, you know, you do think a young player learning his, uh, developing his trade. Uh, pushing himself, trying to fulfil that potential as much as he possibly can before he makes the really big move. You feel like Dortmund's that perfect stepping stone club, isn't it? Between uh, stepping up from an average club to a top club. Well, Salzburg mm. aren't an average club, but stepping up to a big club, but yeah. not quite the elite club. Well, look, first up, he's 19, so still quite young. 28 goals in 22 games for Salzburg this season. As you mentioned, that's a cracking goal-scoring record. His dad is an ex-professional footballer, which I think does help and that he probably has quite a few connections within the industry. Um, you know, I think the, part of the attraction with United perhaps was the fact that uh, Solskjaer is there. There's a bit of a history there. Uh, but for me, Borussia Dortmund's a great choice. They've brought through some good youngsters over the years. Um, they get big crowds. Eh? I mean, it's, he's going to play in front of big, big crowds there. Um there was talk perhaps of also going to, I think, Leipzig because of the whole Red Bull connection. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, for my money, looking at what he's chosen, Dortmund, a club that has a history of producing some good youngsters, a club with phenomenal support, very loud support. They get 80,000 sometimes at their home stadium. Yeah. So for me, it's a good step up. It's a good place to be for him. And he's with a club in Dortmund that's always knocking on the door for something in Germany. Well, almost always, if not the league, then the cup. And they're always knocking on the European door, whether it's Champions League or Europa League. When I say always, they've had one or two hiccups, some bad seasons over the last 20 years, here and there. But um, for me, at 19, uh, he's going to a club with a good track record in terms of youth development, a club with huge um, support and loud support. yeah, for me at 19, it looks a good move. Um, United with Solskjaer there, perhaps it also have been good because of the connection that's there. But uh, I don't think he's done much wrong uh, in going to Dortmund from a player perspective. You mentioned his agent there. Yes, he is a character who I think sometimes yeah. rubs some clubs up the wrong way. Uh, whether yeah. deserved or not, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, that was the one that stood out for me was the Haaland move. And of course, there's another one, a certain 38-year-old who's back in Italy. Yes. You'll know yes. who that is. Yes, obviously, <coughs> Ibrahimovic making his move back mm. to Europe after really starring mm. in the States with LA Galaxy, I think. Yeah. Um, I feel like in, the, in America, actually, <coughs> Ibrahimovic really could live up to his sort of um, celebrity status. I mean, he was a celebrity mm. footballer, really, wasn't he? He was a fa- obviously a fantastic technical player, but also mm. a huge personality off the field, you know, as well as on the field, of course. And he yeah. used to, I mean, you, you saw him appear on things like, uh, I think he was on either Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon's uh, chat show. And, he, and mm. he's, he, you know, he's on, he's on everything. He's, he's literally the star. Mm. And you thought, really, 
that he may hang up his boots in America. But Ibrahimovic is someone, I think, really, who always pushes himself physically and always mm. believes he can perform, uh, regardless of what age he is. He came to Manchester United at 35 years old, uh, the Premier League. Yep. He did really well there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's now going to an AC Milan team that's struggling a little bit at the moment, really. I mean, they've been struggling for quite a while, to be honest. Uh, yep. You know, when we compare with their glory days and the Carlo Ancelotti around that time, uh, when they had yep. Kaká and, 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 and the, oh, well, Ibrahimovic, actually, not too long after that, uh, yep. was at Milan. But it's not really, you know, it, they've struggled quite a lot in recent years. So, I mean, he, his arrival can't do them any harm. If anything, it's just going to be a huge... Uh, confidence boost for the club, it, which which really needs one. And um, his experience um, of just of just going to clubs and scoring goals and making an impact, mm. generally wherever he goes, you know they, they can't really they can't really afford to turn the nose up at that. I think it's probably a, a nice match for both parties because at the same time, Ibrahimovic, thirty eight, wants to prove he's not over the hill, and yeah. uh, AC Milan need a bit of a need a big need a bit of a pick me up. So hopefully it works for both teams. Both parties. Well, well, look, he came on as a sub yesterday. Got a yep. huge um, cheer from the Milan faithful. Um, the coach, I think it's uh, Pioli, former Inter coach, in fact, yep. said that he felt that Zlatan had made a positive impact, but that these players are still getting used to his presence on the pitch. Also, shouldn't forget Zlatan has played for Inter, Juventus and AC yep. Milan, all of yep. the big three, did very well for Inter under Roberto Mancini. Was very young at Juventus, yeah, look, he, of course, won league titles with Juventus that was stripped uh, of Juve um, over the whole, uh, you know, refereeing appointments yeah. and corruption scandal. One of those titles went to Inter, <laughs> was their 14th Serie A title. <laughs> they did win it off the pitch, but who cares? Yes. Yes. Um, and and at Inter, he was also a key player. Uh, he was part of the last AC Milan team to win Serie A in 2011. Yeah. So very much a talismanic figure for both Inter and AC Milan players, really. He's done both, uh, fans rather, he's done well with both Milan clubs. Had that spell, Juventus, as you say, made a good impact at United. Um, he was in Barcelona for a while too. Now look, wherever Zlatan has gone, he's made an impact. I mean, he's a, he's a class player. Uh, perhaps you may question sometimes whether he's achieved enough in the Champions League. Uh, but still, I mean, you look at his career. At the age of 38, he's back at Milan. Um, still loved by the fans, and I think he'll still um, add something to that Milan squad. Um, I think he's a professional, uh, a, a player who doesn't lack confidence, and who mostly has has the technical skills and the drive to back up that confidence. So for me, Milan, uh, in a sense, I think they're quite lucky to get him, to be honest. I mean, they are in a mess at the <coughs> moment. They're yeah. playing poor football. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know if he didn't have anywhere else to go. Maybe it just seemed like a good challenge for him to go to yeah. a club, a massive club that's struggling and make an impact. Uh, for me, I mean, getting him free, although he's 38, uh, that's 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 a coup. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, I mean, Ibrahimovic has dubbed himself Napoleon in that he goes, as he say, he goes everywhere he goes, he conquers. Mm. Uh, but again, I agree with you, actually. I think he's a fantastic player. I'd love to read his auto- autobiography at some point because I imagine that mm. is a fascinating read. But I do agree with you in the sense that for such an amazing, talented player with such a big mouth, in a good way, um, I am surprised that he didn't get more in the Champions League. And even he saw, I mean, when he went to Barcelona, that was the great Pep Guardiola Barcelona and it eluded him even then in that one season. That didn't work out for him. Um, The PSG project didn't work out for him. 
no. uh, while he was in Italy with uh, a title winning AC Milan team. I mean, they performed brilliantly, I remember, against Arsenal in a 4-0 win where he was brilliant. Rabinho was excellent. Mm-hmm. But again, that couldn't that couldn't um, get make the you know, get get to the final furlong and win, and win yep. the Champions League. So I suppose that will the, there'll always be that tinge of disappointment, but absolutely fantastic player. Milan yeah, are I mean, lucky, it, as you say. Yeah. And even you know, with, with with Inter, when he was with Inter under Mancini, um didn't achieve didn't achieve Champions League success either. It took Inter getting rid of him and bringing in Mourinho and bringing in Samuel Eto'o um, and pairing him with Diego Melito to get into the um, Champions League title. So, look, as I say, for me, I mean, that is the one thing probably that's missing from Zlatan's record is is that is that really big impact in the Champions League. But hell, as you said, you know, you look back over his career, 38, wherever he's gone, there's been an impact. Even Barcelona, he scored a few goals. Yeah. Okay, he wasn't crackerjack, but he wasn't a bad player. There. I don't think yeah. he was bad at all. It wasn't a yeah. flop. I wouldn't call him a flop, that's for sure. No. You know, no. So for me, a Milan, AC Milan, to get him at 38 for free, I think yeah. they, they've done some good business uh, there. I really uh, think just, a slight, just a slight touch on that, actually. I'm just thinking now, Robert Lewandowski hasn't won a Champions League, has he? And he's considered one of the best strikers in the world. He went the season after Bayern won, I think, didn't he? He arrived on a free transfer. Yeah, look, he's also a good player. Also that's, amazing, that's yeah. It just player. shows that it's not definitive of the player whether or not they do win Europe's uh, elite trophy. But just before we get bogged, you know, we could talk about Ibrahimovic for four hours, never mind just the duration of one show. Uh, but sticking in the uh, transfers that have already gone, we'll, we'll jump back onto the uh, younger age spectrum, actually. And uh, I was surprised, actually, to see uh, Julian Weigel... Uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, defensive midfielder moved to Benfica because a few years ago, I mean, he was being touted for uh, as the next big thing, linked with several English clubs. Whenever I've seen him, I've thought he's quite a good player. He can play at centre-back, can play at defensive midfield, can play at central midfield, very tidy on the ball, very composed, big, uh, phys- so quite a physical presence. Um, and only, still only very young, and I half expected that... You know, mm. he may come to England at some point. In you know, in quite his value seems to have gone down somewhat compared to the hype mm. of a few years ago. But I thought, oh, maybe for a Tottenham or even a Man United, someone who could just steady the ship in midfield and yeah. develop and grow. I'm really surprised, and no disrespect to Benfica, that but it seems like he's took a backward step going from Dortmund to Benfica. Um, I don't, I don't know what you think about that, but. Um, you know, I, I, it did it did take me a bit by surprise that because again, one or two seasons ago, he was the next big thing, and even yeah. though he maybe didn't live quite up to that hype, when I've yeah. seen him in recent in, in the past few seasons play for Dortmund, I've, I've always thought tidy, solid player could do a job for mm. you know if if he mm. moved on and he can play at centre back. Mm. Mm. Look for me, um, there's there's two sides of the coin. A move from the Bundesliga to the Portuguese league is a step backwards. I think there's no debating that. It's a step backwards, okay? Right now it is, okay? But he is going to Benfica, a club that has won the European Championship. Um, they, they, they're big in Portugal, obviously, one of the giants of Portuguese football, sure, along sure. with FC Porto. Yeah. Some may argue Sporting Lisbon are a big club. I don't think Sporting have done much uh, in recent years. It's Apologies to any Sporting race. fans that may be listening. Yeah, look, no, no, I mean, they, 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 they're a club of fine tradition. But if you talk about who's dominating Portuguese football, it's either FC Porto sure, or, sure, or Benfica. Sure, sure, sure. So for him to move to Benfica, he's going to a class club with a fine tradition. Yep. So that that really isn't a backward move in terms, I think, from one club to the other. But in terms of the quality of the league, I think it's a drop down. Because in Portugal, really, I mean, at, at, for quite a long time now, it's 
with the odd exception, it's been a Benfica FC Porto race. I mean, um, Porto were obviously awesome under Jose Mourinho for a long time. My former compatriot, Benny McCarthy, had a big mm-hmm. impact there a few years back. You may recall him playing for your arch rival Blackburn Rovers. I, I of, do recall Benny McCarthy uh, played for yeah. Blackburn Rovers. Yeah. Yeah. Benny is uh, a bit of uh, the Zlatan Ibrahimovic of South African football in the <laughs> sense that, uh, um, not, 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 not in a bad way, uh, Benny, Benny was a really gifted player. And almost always where he went, he, he did something good, you know, um, yeah. but never yeah. really won the big thing, although he was part of that Porto team, that Porto squad that won the Champions League under Mourinho. But yeah. long story short, I think you're right uh, in the sense a move from the Bundesliga to the Portuguese league right now is a backward step. But I do feel that he is going to be Benfica, but like he's going to Rio Ave or something like that, you know. Um, so I'd say mostly a, a, a downward move, but maybe slightly sideways as well, given the fact that it is Benfica. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, with no dis- no disrespect to Benfica meant there at all. And as you say, a club with a great heritage and certainly one that's going to be fighting for trophies in Portugal. But uh, we're talking about Haaland before and his move from uh, RB Salzburg. What would have been a good segue then if we hadn't gone to Ibrahimovic would have been uh, that Takumi Minamino, a former teammate mm. from Salzburg, has also made the move mm. to Liverpool, made his debut against Everton in the FA Cup recently. And, you know, for £7 million, this really, you know, symptomatic actually of, you know, aside from the £75 million Van Dyke buying 60, nearly almost £70 million for Alisson, symptomatic really of Liverpool's uh, transfer people getting good value for money with 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 uh, players out there. I mean, Mane looks like a bargain now. Salah looks like a bargain now. Yeah. Yep. This guy at £7 million, we saw him in the Champions yep. League a few times. Really mm-hmm. talented player, scored a brilliant goal against Liverpool at Anfield. Um, mm-hmm. Little, nippy, tricky, creative influence in that Salzburg mm-hmm. team. I mean, mm-hmm. this this could be a stroke of genius for Liverpool, couldn't it? Arguably a team, for all their fantastic ability and, uh, and fa- you know, the, their fantastic success over the past season and a half, say, and they, they look like they're going on to the league title, they maybe did lack a little bit, that creative midfielder in some games, uh, over this amazing run, where maybe they, maybe they lacked, maybe they got a bit lucky, maybe they lacked that creative genius, as we say, like that Philip Coutinho. Well, this guy fits that bill, doesn't he? A little bit. Yeah, I was going to mention Coutinho. That's a bit of an enigmatic player as well, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, he's he's originally, as you'll know, he's from Inter. Um, yep. He was yep. very enigmatic. Eight at million. Inter. Um, Eight million. What a what a yep. signing. Yeah. Yep. But um, this youngster from Salzburg, to me, um, at at the price you mentioned. I think it's a good buy. I really think. I think even if he doesn't um, um, quite set the world alight, that kind of money, it's 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 worth taking the risk. Because it's not a massive financial outlay. He has shown that he can perform at a high level, and uh, for me, shrewd buy. Um, I think it's it's there's real potential for for not only getting good value for money, but if he doesn't quite fire, but does reasonably well, selling him for a lot more somewhere else. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I think, you know, he's uh, certainly, and as well, it, it, it seems like from what I've heard, he's come and he doesn't expect to be starting every week. So you've got that humble and that humble nature and desire to, you know, mm-hmm. the delight at being at a big club like Liverpool, the desire mm-hmm. to fight, because obviously he's going to be competing with the likes of Wijnaldum, Keita, uh, even your your boy, James Milner. Uh, you'll mm-hmm. understand why I've mm-hmm. said your boy. Uh, in a little bit, but uh, you know, yeah. Liverpool is a is a team that is a competitive for places in many areas and midfield in particular. 
is one of those and uh you know it's good that he's got the appetite to work and, and graft hard because you know that's what Jurgen Klopp wants and if he can replicate what we've seen in the Champions League and, and his general form in for Salzburg then you know as we say there could be uh, a serious bargain on their hands but just uh sticking with the theme of bargain I, I think Mike, I think just for one second yeah you mentioned yeah. something I, I find very interesting you said the attitude. I remember once uh, yeah. when Mourinho was at Inter, he was asked about which formation he was going to use in a given match. And he basically said, the formation is not as important as the attitude. And I think if a player goes to a club with a good attitude, um, it makes a huge difference. Uh, even yeah. if he's not going to play in a formation he wants, if he's got the right mindset to accept yeah. maybe that he's going to a club where he won't exactly be walking in. Um, he goes there with a the team approach. He goes with a good attitude. And if this player, I haven't seen the quotes, but if this player has gone there accepting that he's going to have to fight, then I think he's going to have a far better chance of success than the player who's going there thinking that I'm the man and I'm going to basically walk into this team. I'm good enough to walk into it. I think if he goes there humble, yeah. knows that he's in the yeah. team, but just on the Champions League, that's top of the league in the Premiership by some margin that he's going to have to really graft. Yeah. Um, maybe even sometimes sacrifice himself for the sake of the team. And I think he's got a great chance of success. Yeah, I mean, common sense tells him, tells us and tells him really that it won't, he won't just be walking into a team that's just won the Champions League, of course. But as we say, that attitude yeah. is important. And you mentioned Inter with Mourinho. I remember Samuel Eto'o when he was at Inter Milan played at left wing, didn't he? And then when yeah. Jose Mourinho left and he was asked by the, uh, by the, proceed- by the next manager to play, at left wing, he said, I only play left wing for Jose Mourinho. So, again... <laughs> I, think, I think the next manager was Rafa Benitez, wasn't it? It was, it was, yes, yes, Rafa Benitez. And, uh, of course... That, he wanted to sign Mascherano so badly. And for some reason, Inter wouldn't, Inter wouldn't back him. I, I was sorry, because I thought Mascherano was a class player. Of course, he spent some time here in China as well. Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, but, of course, uh, yeah, you, you know, respect is respect is earned, I guess, and Mourinho certainly had that. I mean, Eto and Ibrahimovic were two massive admirers of Mourinho, weren't they? But then uh, but then they hated Pep Guardiola. So, again, it's very different styles of, of managers, one catering to the individual and the ego and the other one who just doesn't want any of that, really, and wants uh, people to sort of bow down to him and his philosophy. So it's a very, very interesting... Uh, contrast in those two managers, but anyway, back onto um, back onto bargains. Um, uh, Alexander Nubel, Schalke goalkeeper, um, seeing out the season with Schalke before signing a five-year deal with Bayern Munich, which echoes Manuel Neuer actually, who signed yep. initially f- uh, from Schalke before he went to Bayern Munich. And if Nubel can replicate at least half of the success of Neuer, then he'll certainly be. Uh, a brilliant goalkeeper for for Bayern, uh, you know, for many years to come. But what do we think of that one? Because Neuer himself isn't too happy with this by all accounts. He felt like his form wasn't dwindling too much. But you know, I think I think it's fair to say he's not quite what he was, and his age is, you know, inc- it's inevitably increasing. So I think something had to be done. But is Nubel on a free transfer? Is he the right dis- choice to take over from Neuer? Well, look, I think in Germany, for the last 20 years or so at least, all roads seem to lead to Munich eventually. Yeah. Not 1860 Munich. No, <laughs> no, no. You shouldn't forget 1860 Munich won the league and back in the 1960s. That's a long time ago, of course, and they yes, once had yes, a South yes, African yes. on their books. Yes. Um, but 
you know, Bayern, had to, had to all, roads do, <laughs> all roads seem to lead to, to the Allianz Arena eventually for quality players in Germany. Um, and this, this, this man is a quality goalkeeper, I think. Um, and, you know, free transfer. Uh, again, I think Bayern have done some good business there. Um, it is, for me, it's a good move by Bayern because it's, it's reminding Manuel Neuer that, you know, you've, you're a fine servant, but there's someone knocking at the door. Um, and I think sometimes something like this can bring out the best in the incumbent goalkeeper also because he knows, you know, it's got to be a high standard and you've got to have some kind of succession plan. And I think they've, they've got a goalkeeper on board who's, who has the potential to, to, to succeed at the club for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, certainly a, a more promising free transfer, I feel, than the Jack Rodwell to Sheffield United uh, <laughs> free transfer. I mean, of course, Rodwell was, when he was at Everton, a very, very promising player. Then he went to Manchester City, um, where he, I suppose he regressed a little bit because he didn't get the game time maybe that he did mm. at Everton. Mm. Then he's sort of been largely on a downhill spiral, ended up at my... Team Burnley's local rivals mm. Blackburn didn't really mm. work out, and now he's found his way back to the Premier League with Sheffield United. I mean, Sheffield United signed Ravel Morrison in the summer. I guess a player of similar, uh, with similar troubles. Um, although Morrison was more attitude based, I suppose. I think mm. there's been a few few questions of Rodwell's attitude actually, mm. uh, particularly at Sunderland. Mm. I think. Yeah, but uh, do you think? Maybe Sheff- the Sheffield United setup with Chris Wilder. Do you think he can sort of, I don't know, knock in a sense, knock the, knock some sort of routine or work ethic back into Rodwell because he, seems, he doesn't seem like the manager who's going to be a, a shoulder to cry on, does he, Chris Wilder? Well, look, look. I think first up, it's a free transfer, and it's mm-hmm. a player who has played at the high level before and has been at yeah, big clubs, sure. so has been exposed um, to to high levels of football, both on the pitch and on the training field. So, you know, he's going to bring that with him, um, that, that ability that he has and the, the the levels of coaching that he's been exposed to at the bigger clubs, which could be massive asset for Sheffield United. But, you know, you mentioned attitude there. A lot of depends on attitude. Sometimes players, when they get a bit older, they realize the clock is ticking and they aren't going to be playing forever. And they, and they pull up their socks and they start delivering. Whether whether Rodwell's going to make the transition, I don't know. But hell, it's a free transfer of a player who <laughs> has played high-level football and who has been exposed to big clubs, big club mentality, and often the big quality coaches who come with the big clubs. So for me, free transfer, as long as he's not going to disrupt your change room, it looks a, a risk worth taking, I think. No, for sure. And of course, you mentioned experience. And I think as well, the Sheffield United yeah. team, for all the brilliance that they are doing at the moment, and they are doing remarkably mm-hmm. well, um, pretty sure there's no danger of the drop for them this season. But they do lack, I suppose, a little bit on genuine Premier League experience. And that's something that Rodwell, yeah. I suppose, can bring into um, the squad. Um, but now we'll move on, I suppose, to a, a more speculation of rumours. I mean, we, we, there's there's a few smaller uh, transfers that have gone on the past 24 hours, such as, and I'll read, that Barnsley have signed Marcel Reitzemeyer. 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 Barnsley have signed Marcel yeah. Reitzemeyer from Wolfsburger. 
Uh, Essie Cole have signed Elvis Rex Bakshar. Oh my goodness! You, you, me, you mentioned Essie Cole, mate. Um, yes, my favorite, my favorite German club. Really, Elvis Rex Is that they, correct? They, they, they have the, they have a goat as their mascot, a, goat. a live yeah. goat. Really, and it's there's obviously had many incarnations because the goat doesn't live forever. But they have yes. a goat, and I think it's called Hennis, and really? it appears on the field before home games. Okay. Um, and that's what Cologne are famous for. I think they've won the Bundesliga twice, but they're yes. famous for having that goat as their mascot. And as I say, I mean, the goat, I think, normally lives four or five years. So over their history, they've had many Hennesses, but it's a goat. I, <laughs> I imagine I imagine they have. Elvis Rexabarge. Rexabarge. You okay. heard of him, Andre? 18-month-old from Wolfsburg. <laughs> no. Okay, well, I Wolfsburg mean, are a club that have achieved a bit over the last decade or so. They've had their good yes. moments. Yes, so 18 with low deal from Wolfsburg. And if you want to keep up to date with any of those transfers, no matter how minor or major they may be, uh, then please do follow Transfer News Central on Twitter at Transfer News Send or do follow their or do like their Facebook page. I mean, that should be quite obvious, so I won't read the Facebook page out. But we'll go on to speculation and rumours now uh, of what may or may not happen. Uh, again, there's various references to where these stories came from on the Transfer News Central Twitter page. So I'll just go with what I picked out and leave mm. you to find the references. And so, oh, I think, yeah, so two that struck out for me quickly. Well, I'll, I'll go for yours, your team, Inter, actually. I'm not sure if this is a done, mm. I don't think this is a done deal. But Christian Eriksen has been linked, hasn't he, with a... I think it's about twenty million pound move mm. to Inter Milan. Not done. Not done as no. far as I know. No. I no. like him as a player. I think he could oh, make I a think, big yeah. impact at Inter. Yeah, good yep. player. Um, so for me, if that deal goes ahead, it'll be good news. Inter are, I think, a couple of players short. Yep. Um, for all the spending they have done, I think there are a couple short. And yep. and Ericsson is a player I certainly admire. Yeah, I mean he's uh, he. In a, in a Conte system, it's sort of 3-5-2, isn't it, with Inter? So he could do quite well in that 10 position or attacking midfield position if yep. Inter wants attacking to set midfield. up in a way where they want to, um, where they need to break down a team, I guess. Although, I guess with Conte as well, they are he does like workhorses in the midfield, so maybe he needs to get Ericsson to run a little bit more. Well, look, if you want a, a workhorse, you will sign N'Golo Conte, but uh, I think he's a bit too expensive right now and too settled at Chelsea. Um, but, yeah, look, it depends. I mean, you, you you mentioned the workhorse. Conte does like a high-tempo game. Um, and some have criticised him for it. Uh, the feeling is that yes. maybe that's why he's battled to win on two fronts, because he's always playing high-tempo. And that sometimes you need to take your foot off the pedal a bit because yep. you're playing Serie A weekend, Champions League midweek, or in Inter's case, Europa League. Europa League. And that that's the one thing that they've said that, I've seen quite a few critics say about Conte that he's too hell for leather, you know, and 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 maybe uh, if he bolsters the squad with a few more legs, he can play the way he wants to play. Um, whether Eriksson's going to be a completely high tempo player, I don't know. Um, if it was if it was N'Golo Conte from Chelsea, then he'll probably run for four hours. But you know. Um, I just think having an extra pair of legs in there and perhaps with Ericsson, you know, you can maybe even tweak the game plan a bit. Um, I think he's that kind of player who, <coughs> you know, who, who, who can maybe um, put the mm. foot on the ball a bit and slow things down a bit, which yeah. I think Inter may need at times. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I think I think it'd be a great uh, signing, actually. Uh, I for, think so. it, for yeah. It to, yeah, and twenty million pounds. You know, that's a steal, really, isn't it? In today's Gee, market, that's so, a good price. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously that's because he's out of contract in the summer, and Spurs would want mm. to recoup some money for him. Um, also, in the uh, well, actually, one rumor that caught my eye. I don't. Uh, it's yeah. A few days ago, uh, Tammy Abraham linked with a move to Manchester City because his contract. Uh, the people at Chelsea haven't really sorted out a extension to his current mm. contract um got that i mean that would be I, I, that'd be unthinkable from my point of view right now but i suppose with aguero probably having another season after this before i suppose moving on uh perhaps going back to argentina to uh uh to his hometown um mm. but um yeah i mean abraham would I guess I guess City are always in the mood, aren't they, for a homegrown English player because they mm. always seem to be at the bottom of that quota. Really, that's why I think they've mm. signed the likes of Fabian Delph and Co. Because you know they've always been having to try and fill those quotas. But um, you know Abraham really would be. I think I think it'd be I think it'd be an excellent signing for City. But I you can't you can't see him leaving Chelsea, can you? Surely they they want to, they want to nail him yeah. down with 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 any kind of contract. I'll I'll, I'll say two things there. I'm not surprised City are interested because he's quality. Nope. I am surprised there's even talk of him leaving Chelsea because yes. they're not short of money at Chelsea. And I think to let nope. go of a player like that would be a mistake. Honestly, I, I do think it would be. Yeah, just on, just on a slight, uh, well, on a slight side note, though, I feel like they've got a little bit, I would say, I can't think of the more formal term, but mugged off a little bit, um, Chelsea, because they gave... They basically bowed down to Callum hudson Doy and his wage demands. And to be honest, so far, he's not really been living up to that those wage demands. Mm. And I thought at the time, you know, if you're giving, I think he was 18 at the time when he got that contract of 180000 a week, which he signed. Yeah. As soon as you do that, surely uh, the player then suddenly loses the appetite to graft, work hard, build his way up to the top because he's already won, he's already earned he's, he's already earned his prize, he's already there and he's already there and if someone says, you know what, you're rubbish uh, Hudson, Callum, you're, you're a terrible player, he just says well so what, I've, I, I could mm. retire he could retire after mm. his five year contract and live a very, very, very you know, wealthy life and he, and he yeah. could do that Look, I think sometimes that's where you rely on your coach because I think a coach and his coaching team should know whether players internally or externally motivated. And I think that's yep. the one thing that I think that I really admire from my perspective of a guy like uh, Ibrahimovic. He seems to be no less hungry at 38 than he was at 22, which to me says that money doesn't motivate him. What motivates him is giving his all on the pitch and leaving a legacy at a club. And I think, yep. you know, if you're looking at a youngster at 18 and, and you're going to offer him big money, I think you've got to make sure that it's a player who has a legacy in mind, not a player who is making big bucks and retiring early yeah, in mind. Yeah. Sometimes that's where you can do those psychometric tests and all kinds of things. I'm not an expert yeah. when it comes to psychology by any means, but nope. I, think, I think sometimes there, especially with a youngster, you've got to almost make your decision as much on technical ability and skill as on yep. what, on what motivates that youngster. You know, yeah, if it's external yeah. motivation, um, then maybe you've got to say to yourself, no, we give him a big performance clause, uh, not yes. a huge salary, but we give him a massive bonus per goal. Let's say X amount of K per well, it's, goal. It's funny, you, it's funny you say that because at Manchester City, I, I, I know they give quite low base 
surface wages, basic wages. They give, by contrast to the other teams, I remember Emeric Laporte came in on sixty-five thousand mm. a week, and you think, oh, that's you know, that's that's rather low. And then you look at some of the other players, and they're on fairly modest wages compared to their compatriots mm-hmm. at, say, Manchester United or Chelsea. But mm. like you say, mm. they give incentive bonuses. So you know, for mm-hmm. clean sheets, for wins, for I don't know, statistical uh, bonuses terms of goals or whatnot so you know Raheem yeah. Sterling as well he signed a 250,000 contract I think or, or, or De Bruyne I think 350 or Sterling might have been a bit less De Bruyne was about 350 but they had earned that I mean De Bruyne now is you know mm. when he signed that uh, that ex to make him the highest paid player at Manchester City he was the best player in the league I thought just an incredible incredible player and you didn't feel mm. at all bad for giving him that contract because you knew what a talent he was and similarly with mm-hmm. Sterling he came in, battled against adversity, and now he's one of the best players in the world. So again, he warrants that pay rise. But I just think, as you say, it's hard, isn't it? Because you've <clears throat> you've got to kind of... City have done it in the right way, I think. They've been very clever with who they've got in. They've slowly built them up and then they're getting rewarded financially. I just feel like other clubs, Manchester United in particular, um, it feels like they're far too easy to say, OK, OK, you can have the money. You know, I just feel like it, it, it's... Uh, it's a lot more player power run there as opposed to at Manchester mm. City where Pep Guardiola's at the hub and, you know, they've got a very sensible board, group of board members. Um, and I feel like that's why that's been a winning structure for the past two years. Uh, similarly yeah. at Liverpool, well, for, I guess. Yeah, for me, I think that's why, you know, um, in, in signing a contract with a player, one, you do have your club structure. You don't break your club structure because you've got a wage nope. structure and you've got to stick to it. But at yeah. the same time, I think you have to gauge the individual player, you know, um, uh, and you've got to also look at, at the reasons why the player succeeds or doesn't succeed and try and figure out what motivates an individual well within the structure. You know, I remember I worked many years ago in radio with a disc jockey and um, he, he, he never wanted to talk salary. He wanted to talk airtime. In other words, you'd say to the radio station, give me four hours of airtime. Yeah. And then he would use his four hours of airtime to sell advertising on his show. Yeah. But the advertising went to his pocket, not to the radio station, yeah. to, to, yeah. to a large extent. So yeah. words, in his case, he didn't want a salary. He wanted those four hours so he could do yeah. with those four hours what he wanted. So I think in his case, there was a passion. There was a drive to succeed as the individual. And yeah. that's where you, other player may want the, the biggest salary, that security, and you'll play better knowing it's the money's in the bank. But you may have another yeah. mentality that says, give me a low wage, but you pay me a hell of a big bonus for when I score goals. Yeah, you know, it exactly. It depends on, on, on how the player thinks. Or the player may say, a lower wage, but I want to retain my image rights. Yeah. You know, it depends what motivates the player. Whether it's, you know, if a player retains his image rights, maybe there's more power in his hands, okay? Where he gets a salary from the club, they buy his image rights, less power for him to build himself. I think it depends on the mentality of the player. And it's a tricky one because you do have your wage structure. Um, I'm speaking, I've never worked for a big club, but I think you've got to find that balance between the wage structure and how to best motivate the individual. I think that's a, re- I think that's a really good point that you make and uh, some good insight there. Um, I think, I, I mean, we'll, we'll, try and, we'll try and speed through a few of these now, actually, because uh, we want to mm. get onto those teams of the decades. And, and I also so want to squeeze in a couple of things um, from, yes. chi- from China as well. We are yes, in China, a few things that, that are noted yes. with Chinese, yeah. Yeah, a couple of big moments for China over the last few days. Lei Wu scored for Espanyol against Barcelona in La Liga in the top versus bottom derby. 
in Barcelona. Nice to see a Chinese international on target in a high-profile game like that. Giovanni yeah. from Bronckhorst, a man well-known, of course, to Arsenal fans. He won the Dutch league title with Feyenoord as their coach in 2017. Former Dutch international, he's just been appointed head coach of Guangzhou RNF in the Chinese Super League, and they finished 12th out of 16 teams in the Super League last season. So that's quite a big arrival for Chinese football. Giovanni van Bronckhorst, a bit of a marquee name. And then my compatriot, Dino Ndlovu, who plays his club football in League One, which is the second tier here in China. He plays for Zhejiang Greentown up the road from me in Hangzhou. And Dino, who is a Bafana Bafana international, scored 17 goals for them in the second division last season. A top scorer for that club, Zhejiang uh, Greentown. And just a few things from the weekend quickly. In Serie A, it stood out for me, Mario Balotelli. Well, he scored on the first weekend of the 2010 season for Inter. Ten years later, on the first weekend of the 2020 season, or well, as we enter 2020, 2019, 2020 season, he scored for Brescia, so 10 years apart. Uh, and Balotelli was racially abused in the game again. Um, a small section of Lazio fans, well, according to Lazio, they were a small section, abused him in that game against Brescia. Inter won in Naples in Serie A for the first time in 23 years. They hadn't won in Naples in Serie A since 1997. Lukaku scored twice in their victory uh, over the past weekend against uh, Napoli. And then a first Serie A hat-trick for Cristiano Ronaldo this past weekend, scoring for Juventus in their 4-0 success over Cagliari. And we mentioned earlier Zlatan Ibrahimovic came on as a sub for AC Milan as they played to a goalless draw. Lots of jeers again from the Milan faithful, except for when Zlatan came on. They reserved a big happy cheer for him. And that's... Uh, yeah, we can move on. <laughs> um, that's the Chinese Super League and Serie A news round roundup. News round roundup. That's a, <laughs> don't know why I said it like that. But also, I just think, well, I'll throw the uh, Chinese salary cap um, mentioned in there as well. Yes. So recently, Chinese Super League have placed a cap on foreign on what foreign players can earn, uh, limited to two million after tax. And I mean, to just put, to put that into context. Um, there were players who'd had come over, I think Carlos Tevez had 650,000 uh, pounds a week when he moved to uh, China uh, not too long ago. He didn't do very well. Uh, but that would that would come to, you know, that two million would then be encapsulated in just over three weeks wages. So uh, that, that puts it into context, certainly. And I think uh, we won't talk about this too long because we have such a big show. But I think uh, the salary cap, of course, I see, you know, Going around China, I see lots of young players playing football now on pitches mm. that have been um, that have been designed. But uh, certainly in Shenzhen, there's so many uh, pitches that are in use. There's so many coaching sessions that I can see happening of, on the weekends after after school. Uh, there's so mm. many uh, kids that just want to grow up and play football now, and that's quite in stark contrast. To, you know, ten years ago when I think it was all about mm. basketball and badminton. I think it, the president's really from what I hear, really interest, re, well, really eager for China to do well in football. He, he has set a, uh, a target of to win the World Cup by 2050, which mm. is a bold um, target. But, you know, I certainly see um, wherever I go, actually, uh, quite often there is some kind of football being done, even just kids playing on the streets, kids 
They're playing yeah. in games, training sessions. There's a really big movement now, and it's becoming the in thing. So this cap on foreigners' wages perhaps says, actually, the project wasn't really working that much. You know, They were getting has-beens mm. mainly, or players that had had their best careers within Europe. Mm. Uh, mm. And maybe there's now more of an emphasis on blooding through Chinese youngsters, mm. uh, You know, which can only help the national team, I guess. Look, there's work to do. They lost to Syria yeah. in their last World Cup qualifier in November. Yeah, which isn't ideal. Uh, Marcello, yeah, Marcello Lippi walked soon after that. They've now got a former Everton midfielder, a Chinese international. I think it's Lee Tillier. I can't say his name very well. He's yeah. now the new coach of the Chinese national team. I think it's Lee Tillier. He played yeah. for Everton probably close to 17, 18 years ago. He replaced Marcello Lippi, um, having lost to Syria. The next World Cup qualifier, I think, is against the Maldives later this month. Small yep. Indian Ocean Island nation. Uh, so certainly there's work for Chinese football to do. The national team is not doing well at the moment. Yep. And yeah, maybe they had to look at that and said, let's rather take some of that money. We're plowing into expensive foreigners and yep. plow it into developing the game. Um, because I think there is work uh, for Chinese football to do. Certainly, if you if if, if you use the national team as the yardstick, it's yes. not looking great right now. Oh, oh, for sure, it's a long-term view with winning. The, I mean, mm. this, there's going to be a lot of mm. obstacles and pain along the way. I think, but they will hope that within the next 10, 20 years, suddenly, it's, you know, it's taking charge as the number one sport as opposed to basketball and badminton, maybe, or at least on level yep. with those. And then, you know, and certainly from what I've seen, there's an eager and there's, there's eagerness and hungerness from youngsters to partake. So um, hopefully for uh, China, they're able to uh, improve on their footballing, um, yeah. current footballing status as a nation. Well, they do have uh, a player playing in La Liga now, which is a great thing, uh, Lei Wu. And he scored yep. in Europa League this season. He scored against Barcelona. So, you know, for youngsters looking up at someone, that is a player they can look at and say, look, there's a Chinese player who's playing for a club in La Liga who scored against Barcelona. And that could also serve as good motivation. Sometimes you do need, you know, that one or two individual class players to tell the youngsters, hey, it can be done. Yeah. Okay. So we'll do quick fire now. I want 30 mm. seconds to a minute on uh on some of these potential moves uh so we'll go with uh yeah so arsenal link with jerome boateng as a more viable defensive target than dayot upamecano of rb leipzig thoughts on that boateng has been around for a long time yeah a long time so i don't know you know um <laughs> thank you perhaps too long you know yes perhaps perhaps too long i don't know you know um Cheap. But then again, with the, but you know, yeah, and sometimes with defenders, you know, um, age is not a bad thing in that they really yeah. learn to read the game. Um, and and I think sometimes a really good central defender, when he can read the game, it makes up for some of the frailties. I remember a legend at Aston Villa, Paul McGrath. You remember Paul McGrath? Mm. Or are you are you too young for that? Yes, <laughs> but I will agree. <laughs> Paul McGrath. Anyway. Paul McGrath yeah. had terrible injuries and he was eventually yeah. very slow, but he could read the game while there. And he was part of a very competitive Villa team in the late 1980s. I think Derek Mountfield was his central yeah. defensive partner. And neither of them were, uh, shall we say, Ferraris. They're more yeah. like tractors. But yes. they got the job done and Villa came pretty close to winning the league title in 89-90. In the end, they so, succumbed to Liverpool. But, you know, sometimes... 
an older central defender can be useful. Boateng has been there, he's done that, played at the yeah. high level. And if the price is low, again, it could be a play worth bringing in uh, simply beyond just the field, also the mm. potential mentorship role you can play for younger players. Player worth bringing in then. Okay. Yeah, Grealish, I think so. I think so. Gre- Grealish or Madison to Manchester United? I don't know. For me, it's, I th- me it's much of a muchness. I mean, I think Grealish is more realistic because I think if Leicester get Champions League, they managed to get Man United to pay eighty million for Harry Maguire when they weren't in the Champions League. Now, if they're in the Champions League, you know they look. You must be looking at eighty, eighty-five for Maguire. I, I can see Grealish being a little bit easier to prize away. I would have thought. Probably. Look, as I say, for yeah. me, it's much of a muchness one. Um, uh, I think neither is a spectacular signing. But also not bad. I yes. Don't, don't okay. Exactly. Fair enough. In my view, I um, mean, I could be wrong, and and, and some no, clubs, no, no, you know, that's fine. For any for, for any club, I hope they prove me wrong. But and for yes. the players' sake, but I don't think either of those spectacular signings, um, in terms of look, I I'm not convinced. Okay, that's as far as I will go with that. Fair either enough. one will be a spectacular just a success. Bl- yeah, I do think, yeah, I, I actually a big fan of both. I think Madison's excellent. I think he fits the kind of, uh, both of them fit the Man United remit of getting, it seemed to have been young English players that they seem to have targeted over, the, certainly in the summer with Wan-Bissaka and Harry Maguire. Well, Maguire not quite me, as young as yeah. Wan-Bissaka, but uh, yeah, certainly no, English. For, for me, they're good players. I think they're both good players. Whether they're spectacular players, players that are going to really win your league title or something in Europe, I don't know, you know. Um, I'm not convinced by either one in terms of being the next level player. Nothing wrong with them as players, but the no. next level player, I'm not sure. No, fair enough. Okay, this was an interesting one. Cooley Barley linked with <laughs> Manchester City and West Ham, uh, which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, I think that was the Sunday Express. I don't know. Again, I've not really been providing references, but yeah, not a big, not well, no, the Sunday Express is a newspaper, so I'm not going to, it's a, it is a newspaper, but, um, Koulibaly, I mean, I, he's always that player, isn't he, Koulibaly? Fantastic defender, really. Um, yeah. one of the best in Europe, always gets linked with yeah. the big boys, always seems to get mm. priced out of a move. Uh, and to me, I just think with Manchester City, they're very clever. I mean, their record signing, Riyad Mahrez, £60 million. Pounds. So, uh, it might be Laporte, actually. They're all around £60 million, Manchester City's highest pay, paid, uh, mm. most uh, expensive signings. Uh, and I, don't, I just don't think they'd pay 90 or £100 million or 85 for Koulibaly. I think they're a bit more clever than that. And West Look, Ham, I know. <laughs> yeah. Look, um, £85 million is too much. Yeah. But Koulibaly, I'll find an extra five more for him somewhere. I would, honestly. I mean, we mentioned oh, the two such, previous yeah. players. Yeah, we, we mentioned Madison and Grealish. Um, I'm not convinced the next level, Koulibaly, we know he's next level. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, and, 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 and I think if City sign him, 85 is too much, but maybe find extra five million somewhere. I, I, would, I would sign him if I could. I really would. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's a, no. I'm not talking about rugby. He's a phenomenal player. It just doesn't yeah. seem to be our city do business. I feel like they always look for a lower transfer fee. In general, I feel like they just that just seems to be the way they go. They didn't want to go into the Harry Maguire deal. I know Koulibaly is a better player than Harry Maguire, but they yes, didn't want to, they yes. didn't want to get much better. But they didn't want to get involved in that bidding war, and they've sort of pulled out of a few other bidding wars before mm. uh, mm. they feel like they're overspending. 
uh, which is quite contrary to many people's belief that Manchester City have inflated the transfer market. I don't necessarily think they have. Uh, I think mm. they've actually been quite clever within the transfer market. Um, so yeah. just a few quick ones yeah. now. Actually, for you, uh, one of your teams, Aston Villa, uh, mm. Tom Heaton out for the season, Wesley out for the season. They've been linked to Joe Hart, Daniel Sturridge and Mitchie Batchaway. So uh, in a minute, um, see, did, dissect that. Oh, you know, but try I like, okay? The others yep. are not convinced, eh? But at this point, Villa are desperate. Um, you know, they may have to settle for something less than the ideal. Um, for me, the other two players you mentioned aren't ideal. I like yep. Batshuayi. I think it's a good move. They can get Batshuayi. Um, But yeah, Villa are in a position where maybe they're going to have to settle for less than the ideal and make it work. But I yep. think they do need some legs. Uh, they do that need some sure. legs, that's for sure. sure. A couple of extra yeah. hands on the deck. Uh, otherwise it could be a return to the championship and you don't want to go back so quickly. You don't you want to maximize yeah. getting up there. And, 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 and I mean, Villa are a big club. Um, <laughs> I'm a fan, so I'll say it. Like you will say, yes. Bernie's a big club. Yeah, well, One of our clubs yeah. have really performed hugely over the last 20, 30 years. Um, but yeah, uh, legs are needed, uh, but why I like the other two. Okay. Yeah. I'm not convinced, but they no. may be, they may have to, may have to be a, you know, let's get a couple of band-aids before we can get the yep. antibiotic. Oh, for sure. Lovely analogy. Uh, William also <laughs> linked with a return to uh, his old mentor, Jose Mourinho at Tottenham. Uh, Max Aaron's linked with Spurs and Arsenal. Very promising young right back at Norwich. Um, oh, Hakim Ziyech also linked with Arsenal, actually. We supposedly had a £25 million buyout close in the summer. That's now disappeared it, reports are that you'd have to pay 43 million pounds to get him on board although arsenal apparently are so cash strapped after the uh buying nicola pepe with installments being paid in each window that uh, it's unlikely that they'll be able to get zh for that fee um also uh mary de Myrel, uh 30 million euro bid from leicester turned down 40 million from dortmund very exciting uh center back for Borussia dortmund i mean the guy who uh uh, an ex-co-host on Transfer New Central, Zach Lowy, brilliant guy, raves about this guy, uh, thinks he's an absolute uh, gem of a player and thinks it's baffling that Arsenal will link with Boateng when you, this kind of this guy is available for about a similar fee uh, at Juventus. Um, he's only struggling because Juventus' defence is so strong. He's only struggling for minutes very good, in yeah. that respect. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, very good player there. But I think we'll probably be... Uh, Oh, weeks linked to Manchester United uh, as well. And Manchester City, apparently. Again, I think City for the homegrown uh, aspect. Mm. I think that's probably why they are linked. Man United, I think, you know, I mean, Man United has been feel so bereft of any creativity at the moment. Mm. I don't think he would mm. do too badly there, really. I think they probably embrace a Harry Winks right now. And that my team, Ben Gibson, struggled for minutes ever since he arrived, linked with Frankfurt and Cologne. You know, if he goes, he goes. And good luck to him because I feel like he's been thrown under a bus a little bit since he's come to Burnley. And that's not really his fault. It's just the way it is, you know, because he's just he's just never really had a look in. And it's a shame because he oh. was uh, such a promising player. Yes. And I forgot to thank you for the three points on the first. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was one of, the, one of the worst games I've ever watched. Oh, it was uh, terrible. Was, yeah. Uh, so I, poor. I, I, was thinking, I, I was thinking I of think, you, you know. Grealish was excellent, I thought. Grealish was yeah. so good in that game. Uh, Burnley were not. Moment, yeah, yeah, no, he does. He certainly does. Uh, but anyway, 
before or around that time, we were asked to pick our teams of the decades, uh, Premier League yeah. and and in, over the world. Um, well, I mean, I guess we could we could have a we could go through the obvious. I suppose we, we'll start with the Premier League. Um, yeah. So we both had De Gea in goal. I think that's that's self-explanatory, isn't it? I feel like he's the obvious standout, but some would say Petr Cech was also worth the shout. Goalkeeper, Peter Chick. Um, no, for, for me, for me, it's it's the Manchester United goalkeeper. Oh, for sure, uh, me, me too. Yeah, but uh, I mean, some people would have gone with Czech. Um, but then, then you look at defence, and for me, Zabaleta, Company, Van Dijk, and Aspilicueta. I feel like, you know, again, Zabaleta, you can put up for debate, but he was such an important yep. figure. I think uh, in yep. uh, in Manchester City, he was a leader, wasn't he? Yep. He was a leader throughout. Yep, leader's class, yeah. Throughout Mancini's time, throughout Pellegrini's time, and even in uh, Pep Guardiola's first season, Guardiola loved him. He thought, you know, he thought he was a yeah. great guy. And it was a shame uh, that he had to go. You know, it's a shame he couldn't have dealt with Prime Zabaleta because yeah. I'm sure he would have been mm-hmm. excellent for Guardiola. But no, leader, uh, legend for Manchester City as well. <laughs> just like Company, also a massive, massive figure, not just for Man City mm-hmm. but also for the Premier League itself. Huge mm-hmm. leader consistent on the big stage big game player can read the game well yeah uh van dyke i think if you've gone with as well um and company you go for company as well yeah i've got the same as you zabaleta as pilaqueta company and van dyke i think van dyke not only was not only good at 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 liverpool also was pretty solid at at, at celtic glasgow celtic although it doesn't count as the premier league but still a decent player then very useful at Southampton, as we know, yeah. and excellent at Liverpool. So for me, yeah, yeah. Company, Van Dijk, Azpilicueta and Zabaleta. Just, yeah, he's just been Mr. Consistent, hasn't he? I mean, he was yeah. brilliant in a back mm. three. He was excellent yeah. for Marie, Jose Mourinho at left back. And he's still playing yeah. regularly now at right back and sometimes at left back for Frank Lampard. So he's just been yep. a consistent figure, hasn't he? Yep. Excellent. Excellent, mm. excellent, excellent player. Then we go into midfield and I've gone with Kante. Mm. Uh, Yaya Torre and David Silva. Um, Kante, uh, yeah. I think, yeah. So I know you differ, but I'll just go through mine. Kante, I think, is obvious. I think he is mm. uh, someone who was instrumental in Leicester City's amazing title winning season. Mm-hmm. He was instrumental mm-hmm. in Con- Antonio Conte's first uh, season success at Chelsea with the title. And he's mm-hmm. been. You know, he, he's he's adapted really well, actually, to the slightly more advanced position that he's played under Maurizio Sarri and now Frank Lampard. Yep. Um, yep. And I think he's, a, he's the perfect professional, always always gives his all on the pitch, uh, selfless yep. player and, you know, brilliant mm-hmm. attitude. So him sat there, not really a defensive midfielder in a three by, <laughs> by trade, but we'll keep him there just for the sake of putting Yaya Torre and David Silva slightly in front. Torre was... A phenomenal player, um, mm. especially under Pellegrini, where he played in the midfield too, and he was mm. he was just given license to rampage through midfields, and he just tear through. And mm. he he scored, I think, mm-hmm. something close to twenty goals on 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 Pellegrini's first winning season when they blitzed everyone in terms of their attacking mm. Uh, mm. players, and he was just phenomenal. He was big, he was strong, he was technically good, mm-hmm. he could run really fast, he could score goals, he could pass balls really well. I mean, the goal, mm-hmm. I, do you remember the goal he scored against, um, I mean, he abs- I remember when he annihilated Man United at Old Trafford, but there was a goal he scored, I think, I think it was against Sunderland in the mm-hmm. uh, the cup final. 
uh, and they were one nil down and it was out and they weren't doing anything. It was about 30 yards out and he strolled up to the ball. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even physical and he bent it into the top corner. He was just capable yep. of moments of magic. Yep. And I was, I was going to pick De Bruyne, but I think Torre had a mm-hmm. few more seasons on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think De Bruyne has mm-hmm. been excellent. And then David Silva, well, you know, he's been brilliant. He's been Mr. Consistent for Man City for a long time. Mm-hmm. Creative mm-hmm. wizard, genius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yourself. Well, look, you, yeah. Well, look, you and I agree on David Silva. No doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, we agree on Hazard in a more advanced role, I think. Yes. I, uh, Yaya I Toure. Yeah. Yeah. Yaya Toure for some reason, okay? And I'm from Africa. And I really yeah. wanted to put an African into this team. Yeah. A, a passport-carrying African. And... <laughs> And I, I think he had a, a couple of really good seasons, excellent seasons. But I've gone for a player who's been, for my money, consistent for the whole decade, who's played in different positions, um, well in different positions, and who scored a fair number of goals, I think 55 in total. Um, yeah. And I know it shocked you, but I would, in my midfield, have David Silva, um, Eden Hazard, and James Milner. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're it, underwhelmed it is, it, by that selection. No, 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 no. I forget you didn't put a natural defensive midfielder in, so I suppose Milner's in that defensive midfield position yeah. with, uh, yeah, to. okay. Okay, you got David Silva and then Hazard. Yeah. Give, okay. give, give Silva and Hazard the free reign and you yeah. have um, you have uh, uh, N'Golo Kante up and down, uh, taking balls off people, driving oh, the balls so you, forward. So, so you've got Kante and then you've got so you got Kante, David Silva, and Milner. Yes. Oh, okay. Milner and then Hazard. Being, okay. Yes. Milner yes, being yes, the yes, servant. Yes. Oh, I get you. Servant. Get you. And yes. Hazard's in the mm. ten, isn't he? Hazard's in the attacking ten. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Milner's yeah, yeah. So the, Milner's the, is the servant. Okay. I think yeah. Every great team needs a servant. You yeah. know, if you look at the great French team, Deschamps wasn't the flashiest. He was a yeah. servant. Um, and I think Milner is the kind of player who will serve a team. And if he has to play right back, he'll play well at right back. And that's why I have Milner in the team. Is he one of the best 11 players as an individual? I'm not sure. But as a team man, um, he's pro- proven over a decade at different clubs to be, in my view, a consistent performer with the odd eye for goal too. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, uh, I wanted to put Jaya Toure in there very, very badly as, as an African. Yeah. But in the end... I just thought that, you know, who can I bet my house and I'll go out there and really play well with every plays on the pitch? And James Milner came to mind, and so I thought I'll slot him in. Oh, it's a fair shout. It's a fair shout, really. Your reasoning's very good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not the most obvious shout. It's a bit of a wild card shout. I'm sure mm. people, when these teams do go up on Twitter, people will lambast you. But uh, <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> But that's uh, that's just part and parcel of doing anything like this. No, I think it's quite it's quite yeah. an interesting shout. And then Hazard in the 10. I've gone for Hazard at left wing, uh, Sterling at right wing, because I think Sterling is, I know you've gone for Kane, and that's the big difference. We've both gone yep. for Aguero. You've gone for Kane and uh, yep. Aguero up front. I've gone for Sterling instead. Um, yep. Again, people probably lambast me for going Sterling and not Kane, but for me, I think he was excellent for Liverpool. It, you know, he came through at Liverpool and he was a brilliant youngster, part of the Sturridge Suarez, uh, and st- part of the yep. S- SSS. Uh, the triple S, stories, yep. yeah, and I mean they were they were phenomenal when they ran City so close uh, under Brendan Rodgers, and then he did okay the season after when Suarez left. Uh, yep. Then I think he went to Manchester. I think he went to Manchester City then, uh, yep. and then 
you know, it, it was a bit of a rocky start, a bit of a rocky start. But then after that, I feel like he, you know, I, I feel like he, he's not just grown off the pitch. I mean, on the mm. pitch, sorry, but off the pitch, he's become a real presence. He's become a real, mm. um, you know, a, a leader, a leader in many ways, leader mm. of men. He's become mm. a leader for racism, mm. attacking racism. He's become, uh, you mm. know, a leader for his country where he's stepped up and become one of the key figures. Um, mm-hmm. and, he, and he's battled back against adversity because lots of the mainstream media attacked him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think he's been tremendous. He was good at Liverpool. He was. He started off slightly rockily at Manchester City, and now he's become one of the mm-hmm. best players in the world. And I think the rise has been mm-hmm. incredible, infectious. Yeah. And most importantly, he's won titles. He's won two. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. He's won two Premier League titles. So, yep. you know, you can't you can't look away from that. Whereas Harry Kane hasn't. And I always think when you pick these mm. teams, the people who's won the won the title and mm. won the the uh, mm. won the trophies. No. You see, in my case, there were nine easy selections. The debate yep. between Yaya Toure and Milner was tough for me, and the choice between Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling was tough for me. I just felt that Kane has been around for longer and been consistent yep. for a hell of a long time. A really key figure at Spurs. Yep. Really, really key figure. Um, and for me, that's why why Kane got the edge. Um, but a very close selection. I mean, Sterling would not embarrass this team at all. No, no, for sure. I mean, uh, in terms of coaches, I think for me, I know we haven't picked a coach, but I think Pep Guardiola yeah. probably. Does. Yeah, I mean, he's revolutionised the way we see football, hasn't he? Really, over the past, uh, over his time in England. I mean, so many teams now mm. are trying to play his, you know, passing brand of football. Now we see goalkeepers playing with their feet as an importance, as a huge importance. Mm. Before we didn't really mm. look at it too much. Um, so yeah, I think. Um, I think, I think Pep Guardiola for me. I don't know about you. Maybe Jurgen Klopp at rivals, or would you agree? Um, I would. I would go with one of two. Klopp has done really well. Um, yep. But it's only really towards the end of the decade that he's really at his straps. I think yeah. in England. Um, sure. For me, it's a close, close fight between Pep and the special one, eh? Or the former special one. Mourinho yeah, yeah. for me still. I know he flopped at United, but he did some great things at Chelsea. Um, and, yeah, you know, he's still, for me, he's still an excellent coach. I mean, to have won the treble with Inter, to have taken Porto to the Champions League, to have won yeah. the UEFA Cup yeah. with Porto um, also. And, and and as much as Pep plays a beautiful brand of football, for yeah. me, my philosophy, I like a direct game. I really mm. like the direct game. I like a winger in my team and, you know, and I think Mourinho is more of a direct coach, you know, two, three touch shoot. Yeah. In a sense, not 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 as simple as that, um, no. and nothing wrong with the way Pep plays. I mean, plays Pep is a no. great coach. Yes, um, and he plays a beautiful brand of football. Just my, yes. for me, uh, maybe just my personality. I like a more direct uh, brand of football. I didn't mind the long ball football of the 1980s. Uh, I thought having a big target man made sense. You should get a um, season ticket just... at Burnley. I think you'd, 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 uh, your dreams would be your dreams would be fulfilled. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Look, as I say, for me, I, I think Pep and Jose are both excellent coaches. In terms of my own footballing philosophy, I would go for Jose. But but in Pep terms of the past ten years in the Premier League. Yeah, no, Pep, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in sure. terms of, if, if you've got to judge on that, just in terms of style of play, 
I'm actually not the biggest one for the big the passing around of, of yeah. the ball always. I think it sometimes can actually bore you to death. I like yes. uh, ball knocking ball knocked into the right areas and ask questions there. But um, Pep is great. So I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, Pep, yeah. Pep is he's done yeah. so much, not just in England, all over the show. Well, Sam Allardyce called it tippy tappy nonsense, I think. So I suppose you could uh, you could fall in line <laughs> with that. Uh, I. I hope you don't completely no, fall in love with I, mean, I, w- no, no, no. <laughs> I wouldn't but disparage of, Pep like that. He's achieved a hell of a lot. But of course, yeah, we've talked about the Premier League one. Now I think this is the big one because this is really where, you know, looking at the whole world, and to be honest, I think it's, mm. from my point of view, I think it's damning that no Premier League player makes this 11, although uh, I think they do in yours, don't they? I think you have a Premier League player in there. Or do I, you have, I, I have one. You have one? one yes, you do. You have one I Premier have League one player. one Premier League player. In my no 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 I've got two two got Premier two. League players in my, oh, okay. in my world squad. Got yeah, two. That's two. interesting. Okay. Mm. Oh no, I think I know. I think yes, I can remember. So we both <laughs> come from Manuel Neuer in goal. I think. Yeah. And I for me, yeah. I think he he was the first. And people talk about Edison and Allison really in the Premier League bringing that passing goalkeeper to England. And obviously mm. now we we've got Pickford and all the teams want their goalkeeper to be able to kick it fancily, yeah. you know, out out and return the ball. But Manuel Neuer mm. was the first mainstream. Example across Europe, I think, wasn't he? The per- yeah. first person who made you think, hang on, uh, the goalkeeper can play like his outfield player. Suddenly, he can come out confidently, cockily, with the ball, make 30-yard passes with ease, knock the ball 80 yards down and reach a target. Suddenly, this was a guy who, you know, hang on, we've got 11 outfield players. You know, before it was just, yeah. oh, can he save shots? And he, and boy, could he save shots. He's a, he's a he's yes. German wall, wasn't he? But I think the thing that made him stand out above his... Uh, competitors uh, such as Gigi Buffon I suppose and Ike Casillas was his ability with his feet because he you know I think he's been a phenomenon hasn't he over the recent decade yeah look if if, if, if it was the previous decade I would have gone yep. with Gigi Buffon definitely I would, I would yeah. but yeah. Uh, yeah, interesting if it was interesting 2020 yeah. yeah James on our uh, TNC uh, who does the other podcast did go for Buffon who also did have a good decade but I'm with you I think his yes. best years was the year before the decade before, sorry. Yeah, 2000 to 2009, Buffon was my number one goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. I mean, he, he had a rivalry with Casillas, and for me, it was always Buffon. I always felt a bit more confident yeah. with Gigi Buffon in yep. goal. I always thought Casillas was brilliant. His reflexes were amazing. But I always felt like on crosses and maybe on, uh, mm. you know, I, I maybe like the physicality of a Buffon. And he got away with mm. it, I think, at Real Madrid with the likes of Ramos mm. and, in front of him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that was just my opinion. But yeah, we both went for no. Neuer. No, I agree with you. Uh, last, the previous decade, 2000, 2009, before I got my vote without any yeah. doubt. And yeah. I, I feel the same about, I feel the same about Neuer for this decade. I mean, De Gea has had good moments, but I, I just think overall for this decade, Neuer's just been, he's just been too consistent. I mean, too, and, and as you say, he adds that extra dimension at the back. Uh, for me, there was no debate. I mean, I considered yeah. De Gea briefly, but Neuer just stood out for me. Yeah, no, for sure. And then we move on to the defence, which is a bit of a, mix, mm. uh, a bit of a change around from both of us. I've gone with Lam, yes. Ramos, PK, and Marcelo. So with yeah, well, Lam, I feel like um, I just feel like he had that. You have to have Lam in because he's just embodies consistency, doesn't he? He's a leader. Yeah. He was fantastic for Germany, fantastic for Bayern Munich. Um, yeah. He was in the FIFA Pro World Eleven in 2013 and 2014. Mm-hmm. He's a World Cup winner, mm-hmm. Champions League winner. German Football of the Year in 2017, five Bundesliga mm-hmm. titles, 
I just mm-hmm. think, you know, and he, and he played at left back, right back, and in defensive midfield. Yep. Yep. Just, a, just a brilliant player to have on the field. Just a brilliant pers- brilliant character, brilliant personality. Humble, will work his feet into the ground for the club. Uh, not the flashiest going forward, maybe like Danny mm. Alves, but I'd always feel more confident having him at my right back than Danny Alves, just in my mm. opinion. Well, look, you and I agree on the goalkeeper. We agree on Philip Lahm. No question in my mind. Johnny, but the other three def- yeah, I, I would play him at left back, um, and uh, we agree on that. The other three defensive positions, we disagree yes. completely. Yeah, I mean, Sergio Ramos, for me, is he's just a, he is a leader of men. He is a hard man. He, is, he just rubs teams up the wrong way because of his dark arts antics that he likes to throw around, and he did it. We've seen it so many times. It roused the opponents. They lose their head. They lose the cool. It's so clever and so mm-hmm. annoying to watch. Uh, when you want to see Real Madrid, you know, it, it makes you hate Real Madrid, I guess, in many ways. But, it, 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 you know, every team has a Sergio Ramos. Ashley Barnes for Burnley, mm. Diego Costa when he used to play for Chelsea and Atletico Madrid. Just mm. a wind-up match, just someone who mm. riles the opponents. So he does that well. Yeah. Brilliant defender. He comes up with so many um, important goals for them as well, even today with the centre-back. The goal against mm. champ- in the Champions League final against Atletico in 2014. Don't mention that. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it was that's a bad moment. Uh, no, another one of your 750 teams, but he was, uh, you know, he, yeah, mm-hmm. favorite in Spain, but he brilliant, you know, last minute header. Uh, like, I want, I remember I wanted Atletico to win that, I thought they were going to, yes, and you know, just yes. an absolute. And he's he scored, I think he did another one later in the Champions League in 2016, I think, against Atletico, yeah, nice class, like, that regard. yeah, just uh, you know, bit man for the big occasion, uh, mm. leader, legend. Uh, and a wind-up merchant, but I suppose that's just part of the intelligence of his game. He knows, he just mm. knows the game inside out and knows how to win. Mm. Similar, really, mm. actually, with PK. Not quite to the extent mm-hmm. of, of us as a wind-up merchant, but you know, six La Ligas, uh, two Champions Leagues, a World Cup, European Championship. He, he, you know, he, he just, he just knows how to succeed on the on the on the highest level. I mean, with Barcelona, mm. you would have had Alba and Danny Alves bombing on. You've got two centre backs mm-hmm. there. You, that leaves a lot of responsibility on two centre-backs but yeah. you know PK was he's always been there a solid presence at the back usually very good on the ball um, positionally quite good usually because he wasn't the quickest I don't think PK I don't think he was ever the quickest mm. but I think mm. it certainly for Spain he benefited playing alongside Ramos who was you know the rugged leader that he was but then for mm-hmm. Barcelona you know PK was a leader himself so two leaders at the back there and just mm. I'll just move on to Marcelo Silky left back at for me, uh, brilliant technical abilities. I mean, that first touch he did against Bayern Munich not too long ago was unbelievable. He just brought it down so perfectly. It was, it was wonderful mm-hmm. to watch. It, you know, it had every oh, amazing venomous shot. He's a source of creation. Ronaldo loved playing with him. Um, you know, when he was there, and he just is, uh, you know, defensively very good. But it, it was offensively and technically where I think he stood out. So that's my fault. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah, look, with me, because I have a German goalkeeper and I have Lahm from Germany, I, 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 I like to select not just individuals, but a team. And I know Ramos's class. I'm not yep. a big fan of a dark, art, dark arts player. Just my philosophy, football philosophy. I don't like the dark arts players. You did it like Severus in Harry Potter, though, when he taught the dark well, I, I quite liked him. I like the actors. I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he's deceased Alan now. Legend, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Alan Rickman. Yeah. I loved him as an actor. Yeah. Um, uh, and I had sympathy for Snape because I think his background <laughs> coloured him how, a bit in terms how, of his, How did it get to this? Back to the back to your team, go on. Back to your team. 
yeah. Not a big dark arts fan um, in terms of football. Um, so, yeah, uh, we have Neuer, we have Lam, and then central defense. I, I always like a silky central defender. Yeah. You know, someone who doesn't, you know, just who seems to be in charge of himself and composed. And I like Van Dijk in that regard. So yeah. although he hasn't maybe been as successful at the highest level as, as a Sergio Ramos or a Gerard Piquet, I like Virgil van Dijk. I think he's a very solid player. Um, and I would have him in there. Um, I just the only reason I didn't presence. go with Van Dijk, the only reason is because... No. I agree with you. I think in terms of a performer, I think he's up there with those two, probably ahead of PK, actually, if we look at both of them. I think Van Dijk's incredible. But um, I feel like they did it for longer over the course of the decade. I think I feel like Van Dijk's rise, uh, although he was good at, great at Celtic and Southampton, his rise to prominence at Liverpool has only recently happened. And in the Premier League, he has less competition you know, for places. But in, in, when, we come, when we look at the whole world, I feel like those two have really defined the past decade in terms of centre-back options that have stood up and been counted. Look, I agree with you in terms of the ability and their class. But for my philosophy, I would play Van Dijk. I just I just like him as a player. I like his presence. And I like there's a, there's a smoothness to him, which I like. Um, it's just, you know, my, my, my way of, of, of thinking about things. And, you know, he, he, the others have been consistent at the same club. He's been consistent at three different clubs. Uh, okay, at Celtic, perhaps it's easier because, I mean, they do dominate the premiership. Um, Rangers are getting... Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, I think still a, a very good player, um, and I would go with him. But your arguments are very solid. I mean, those are quality players; they would not disgrace any team. And then, again, I often like a servant in a team, and the servant in this team is my other central defender. Uh, well, in fact, I've got two servants in this team, but I like Mats Hummels, um, consistent in the Bundesliga for a hell of a long time. Yeah, yep. he's good at Dortmund. Good at Bayern. You have Neuer in goal. You have Lahm. You've got three Germans and know each other in your back three. And I think that makes a team a lot stronger. You know, the one plus two plus, no, one plus one plus one makes four kind of philosophy. I know it should make yeah. three, but those three together make, for me, a fourth. Um, the smoothness of it, uh, the, the, the the communication will be better. Um, so I would go with that. Neuer, Lahm, uh, Van Dijk, Hummels, and then... Um, a player that I think, if you look at his pedigree and what he's achieved in terms of trophies, and I'd play him at right back as Danny Alves. I know Marcelo's yeah. class, and it was a tough call to make. Uh, I just feel that, you know, Danny Alves, for me, has a slight edge over Marcelo, and I've gone with him. I know there may be some question marks about his defense sometimes, but. You know, um, I, I just think proven performer over a very long time and for much of the decade. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, again, you make some very good arguments, but we'll move on to midfield, actually. And, mm. and obviously, I think this, this is another one that divides. But I've gone with Busquets, Iniesta and Modric as a three. Um, you know, when I looked at some of these, I thought a lot of people went with Xavi, actually, when I looked on social media. And that's a very fair shout. But that, for me, Xavi was at his best the decade before. And I think yeah, I agree with you. Yep. And I think, uh, you know, he's going with, you know, I think for one or two seasons or the two or three, maybe at the start of this decade, he was very good, very good. But I think his, mm -hmm. his influence started to wane a little bit. And then suddenly I think he was uh, he left Barcelona halfway through the decade. So, again, you've got to bear that in mind, whereas Sergio Busquets yep. has been there since 2010 and he's still playing regularly now. And uh, yep. 
uh, Vincente Del Bosque said, uh, if you watch the whole game, you don't, you won't see Busquets. But watch Busquets and you will see the whole game. So again, that was really uh, from his former uh, national team, from the former national team manager of Spain, uh, really did uh, illustrate in that quote, I think, that Busquets maybe isn't like someone who catches the eye in terms of his play, mm-hmm. but he does everything so well and so uh, so smoothly mm-hmm. that that you know having him in the team just makes that difference. He just gives the team extra polish it makes them a much more well-oiled machine and you know Spain and, and, and Barcelona have ticked so well with him in that number six position holding his position well using his strength to his advantage using his technical yeah. abilities to keep the flow going I think he's been marvellous uh, you know so that's why he's there in that defensive yep. midfield uh, position uh, just in front of him Andres Iniesta and Luka Modric. Mm-hmm. Iniesta sort of, I think, emphasises poetry and mo- motion. Whenever I watched him, I thought, mm-hmm. what an amazing, you know, beautiful player. Just on the ball, he's just so silky, uh, mm-hmm. you know, could dribble out of a haystack. and he, he could dribble a needle out of a haystack. Bad metaphor. But, uh, he, you know, he was so... Um, you know, so 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 at ease with the ball. The ball just stuck to his foot, a bit like Zidane, I think, in mm-hmm. many ways. He just he just moved with the ball, mm-hmm. and, and the ball would just stick to him like glue. Uh, his passing was incredible. His vision was incredible. Uh, he lasted longer than Xavi. You know, he was in every FIFA mm-hmm. Pro Eleven from 2010 mm-hmm. to 2017. Mm-hmm. He was the best attacking midfielder, voted the best attacking midfielder, uh, I think, in the world uh, in 2000 mm-hmm. from 2011 to 2014. Amazing player. Uh, mm-hmm. He chipped in with the odd goal, but it, well, that wasn't what his game was about. It was about, um, mm-hmm. it was just about his general play, which I think, you know, if you just had to watch him and you'd be mesmerised. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Luka Modric, uh, again, I think that's between Modric and Cruz, really. Some will say Cruz, some will say Modric. Uh, he won the Ballon d'Or in 2018, which was sort of a commemoration to how he'd performed for a long time up until that point. Uh, dictates the play uh, for Real Madrid he has done for many years uh, creates flowing football scores and makes key goals I thought he was excellent in the World Cup uh, in 2018 which got Croatia to the runners-up position and he's mm-hmm. been in the FIFA Pro 11 2015 to 29 from 2015 to 2019 let's not forget Tottenham Hotspur he was also fantastic at the, at the, fantastic. At the right at the beginning of yeah. the decade so you know for me those three I think you could argue other names but I think those three for me are the ones you know I'm happy with those three Busquets, no argument from my side. You, yep. The name was enough. He didn't have to say anything else. No, nope. Busquets, I agree. Busquets is class. I always love a good defensive midfielder. I think any championship winning team needs that good defensive midfielder. And Busquets, for me, ticks every single box. No debate, Busquets and my team, without a shadow of a doubt. Modric, I wanted to select very, very badly because he's class. I haven't selected him. I've gone for more of a battering ram midfield. I've gone for N'Golo Kante. Yeah, no, I think that's fair too. It's fair too. I want the legs that Kante offers, the well-timed tackle that breaks up the attack, the drive from box to box, old-fashioned type player. I want that in my team, and I'll give him license to go up and down, to work for me. Busquets will mop up, and Kante will just be the dynamo. I wanted Modric... The team I'm selecting, I just couldn't find space for him because yep. I also like an out-and-out winger. And I could not ignore Iron Robin. I yep. do want that old-fashioned wide man in my team. And of course, I, I've got Robin higher up. Uh, yeah. He's the right winger. Phenomenal player. I mean, why did you, what, 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 made, what made Robin stand out for you? For me, just briefly, I would say, you know, he, he was... You know, he, he epitomised Bayern Munich, really. He, and he was always there at the big occasion. He scored the winning goal in the, their only Champions League, uh, 
you know, trophy of the decade. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic for Holland whenever I saw him. I thought he, you know, he he, he annihilated England. I remember at, at Wembley, he annihilated Spain in the in the World Cup of 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, I just felt any team that played against Ian Robin, you knew what he was going to do. I mean, it's the quote, mm-hmm. isn't it? Uh, I fear not the man who practiced 10,000 kicks once, but the man who practiced one kick 10,000 times because he scored the same goal mm-hmm. so many times and you just couldn't stop him. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it wasn't just the small teams. It was any team. Joy no, look, he was just so consistent. And again, it depends on football philosophy. I, I've always liked a winger. I love having a winger in my team. A man who can take on players and beat them with pace, with, with just that fleet of foot. And Robin can score goals. Um, and for me, you know, I thought myself, I, I would love to see Modric in there. I just felt that, you know, Silky is good. It's beautiful to watch. But I like that directness that Robin gives you. Um, and I had to find space for him. And I yep. give him complete license just to attack and go crazy. And that's why I needed, I felt, to have a Busquets and a Conte in my midfield. Um, two players who perhaps would sacrifice their glory for the sake of giving a Robin, the freedom to just torment. And Ronaldo on the other wing as well. I mean, that's self-explanatory. Yep. Just briefly, yeah, really. No, we just, him and Messi, yeah. really. Um, I just yeah. I just say, Messi was like a natural talent. Like I, I'd argue like yeah. nothing we've ever seen before. I just think he was just genuinely incredible and continues to amaze. And Ronaldo obviously had the talent, but he seemed <laughs> to have to work so much harder to, to keep up with Messi. But, you know, I suppose... Uh, embodies the uh, statement that hard work does pay off because he's managed to stay up there with a natural talent like Messi by pushing himself physically, challenging himself uh, by doing so much after training in terms of shooting and passing and working on everything all the time, non-stop work to be up there with, you know, like I say, a natural talent. But again, just two players who we should, well, again, we always say it's a bit of a cliche, but don't compare them because, you know, we just should be grateful to have both of them in the same mm. era. Mm. And look, yeah. and also the one more player missing from my team I haven't mentioned yet. Yep. And it's a bit of a top-heavy team in terms of attack. But four, I wanted four, an out-and-out yeah, out 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 goal scorer in there. And for me, I wanted to pick Luis Suarez, but he's just a bit of a too loose cannon. Yeah. And so I went for Mr. Dependable, Sergio Aguero, who I think has been a proven goal scorer for more than a decade. Yeah, no, he has. Absolutely. I mean, Lewandowski as well would like would, would maybe make a claim yes. for that. But no, you can't yes. argue. So yours, 4-4-2, mine, 4-3-3. Robin playing slightly higher up to accommodate Modric, Iniesta and Busquets. You with Busquets and Kante, Workman-like midfield. Uh, Ronaldo and Robin on the flanks. Messi and Aguero up front of them, obviously, in defence. Ramos and Piquet versus Hummels and um, Hummels. Uh, Hummels and, and Van Dijk. Van Dijk, of course. I always yeah. yes, and Van Dijk, and then Lahm and um, uh, Marcelo versus Alves and Lahm, and, and then Neuer both in goal. Yes, so some interesting mm. picks there. That's the I think that's bringing us to the end of our bumper show. Mm. Uh, you know, we yeah. had lots to discuss in terms of transfers. <laughs> we had lots to discuss in terms of uh, those who were those who've already gone, those who may be going. A quick interlude onto the Chinese Super League and Serie A, and then back onto. You know our our selection picks, and hopefully, I remember actually just just before we do leave, we put our Premier League predictions up, uh, our one to twenties, and we put them on social media. I don't think I've ever got so much abuse uh, oh. from fans. Oh my lord! Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually predicted Leicester fifth, and everyone said Leicester won't finish above seventh. What do you what do you say? So I feel quite smug about that. But uh, I also, <laughs> I think yes. if, when it comes to Leicester City, you've got to be careful what you bet on. Though. That Premiership winning season still speaks I know, out for yes. you. Who'd have thought Fanta- that, eh? Fantastic team, yeah, fantastic oh, team. Obviously, yeah. Season, 
No, but uh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, be careful who you predict. And obviously, if you do bet, bet sensibly. I don't know why I said that, but it feels like I should say something <laughs> like that at the end of the podcast. Uh, You're a but teacher. yeah, no, no. that's why you're teaching I am, kids. I, I am, I am, I am. <laughs> I know, yeah. Hopefully not for much longer. No, I'm only joking. I love my job. <laughs> if you're listening, I love my job. Okay, so from myself and Andre, I think that's uh, that's a goodbye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until Thank next you. time. Bye-bye.